Mikey! Mikey! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, BC WrestlePod fam, to another AEW Dynamite review, the Just Three Gents review with just two gents. We have Mikey El Jefe with me tonight. You've got JBL hanging out here as well. We are both tired out of our minds from having our other stuff happen to us this week, but we are so happy to be here with you to go over the penultimate or not go home, but soon to be go home show for revolution. Uh, And we, you know, we're having a good time with it before we get to everything else. So a little housekeeping, of course, if you haven't already start following us on all the socials at BC WrestlePod, we have a Twitch channel where we do our live uh, presentations on there. Please check that out as well. Uh, Subscribe to the channel here. Make sure you're getting that alert bell hit so you can make sure that you get all of the alerts about all of our other content during the week because we review pretty much everything to do with wrestling. And of course, drop us a comment a like, anything you'd like there. It's free for you to do. It helps us out with engagement, and we get to know you're out there, and we want to be able to engage with you as we're coming live and in person to New Jersey WrestleCon in, I believe, April. May. May. That's a month. I'm getting there. I will get all these things down there. I think I did all all this stuff. May May 19th. 19th. (laughs) I knew it was those days. So we are here to go over what had become a very short or at least advertised to be short AEW dynamite. And it was a promo fest, but the promos weren't bad. We actually had a lot of good stuff tonight, setting up things that are completely going on. Mikey, um, I felt like I got enough out of this. Like it wasn't too much, wasn't too little, and it didn't overwhelm me. I don't know how you felt about it. Nothing overstated. Well, okay. There's one thing that overstated. It's welcome, <laughs> but we'll talk about that when we get to it. But I feel that the pacing between the matches and the promos, backstage segments, and everything else in between, I thought was really well paced out and really thought out. You had a match and then just enough time for the promos and backstage segments before our next match. So that's been my big, as one of my complaints that I've had with AEW is the inconsistency in how we're booking shows. But it felt really, really weird because by the time we got through like the first two matches, I was just like, we have an hour to go. What is going to happen now? <laughs> and like, it took us on a ride for us to get there. I will say also the pacing and the continuity was very nice tonight. It actually drew some storylines out over the evening, but also set things up for next week. I'm looking forward to it. But let's get into the action just like we did on Dynamite. We jump right in. It's a grudge match. We've got... BCC taking on FTR, the the Blackpool Combat Club of Moxley and Claudio taking on FTR Bald and FTR Aggravated Assault. And speaking of that, this was basically an entire match of Aggravated Assault. These two did not pull anything. These punches, kicks, strikes were snug. And I'm talking like Japanese wrestling snug the entire time to the point that Moxley finally did bleed. But, uh, Mikey, did you enjoy this as an opener? Kind of get you into that, like, fervor, that bloodlust that we're going to have going on? I said it last week because I wasn't sure how I felt about this match going into this week. I felt like it was going to be great. But I was like, how do we keep both teams protected? Because everyone involved, you can't have one lose or the other. And we ended up getting a time limit draw. But this was a baller match. I really, really enjoyed this, you know. At first, like the first couple of minutes, I was like, well, okay, I've seen it before. And then I was just mm. drawn in by how violent and how hard hitting this was, which is to be expected with these four individuals. But I can feel the animosity coming on, the vitriol, the hate, if you will, between these oh. two teams. 
And when we got to the time limit draw, I was just like, okay. I was like, normally I don't like time limit draws, especially since we've been using them a lot recently in AEW right it's now. It's been pretty consistent per, yeah. But every time we've had a time limit draw, I'm like, no, that makes sense in the sense of the story we're telling. Exactly. And on this one also, it made sense for the amount of energy that had been expended in this because not only were was there kind of both teams healing it up at certain times and helping each other. Cash Wheeler, like taunting Claudio with his own stuff going on. We did get our, our you know, as every happens in every BCC match, John Moxley on the chair ringside waiting to get beat up, but it was back and forth. It was energy to energy. And so you kind of had nowhere to go either. There was going to be a surprise win of some sort, or they were just going to have to let this boil over to the next point. And that's what they gave us. This was so fantastic. And to even add to everything that happened. So we hit the time limit draw and then they just continue to beat the bricks off each other for like a good five, seven minutes afterwards. Right. It, it, it devolved into a fight, which then the entirety of the locker room cleared out, which they didn't do for the CMLL guys. But like this time there was actually like watching the butcher try uh, try to, you know, like amble his way down to the ring when he doesn't move that well to begin with. Always fun to see. Uh, and, you know, I love they were calling like, you know, everybody like from the back. It's like, you know, everyone from the front office as well. I didn't know that, you know, Karen, the uh, the the intern was there helping out in the front or like, you know, the coffee guy was going there. Commentary was on, on point for this as well. They were doing pretty well. You know, commentary didn't really irritate me this week, which I was very, very surprised by. Except- I, will dis- I will disagree, except during the women's matches. Well, normally they irritate me more. They didn't really irritate me as much. But yeah, the women's matches I put in a separate category and they're still awful. <laughs> yeah, it was. I did love uh, Tell My Accountant that num- uh, numbers don't matter. Uh, it was always very good. They're not important. Uh, but this was this was the thing. Also, did you notice? I don't know if what was up with Paul Turner tonight for all the matches he was refing. He was physical with everybody like kicking uh, the hands away from the t- the FTR cheating on the on the abdominal stretch getting up and pushing Claudio like he, he thought he was 10 feet tall and then he did it again later on like what was up with Paul Turner I don't know but if I'm being completely honest I was kind of here for it <laughs> like, yeah yeah like, like I was Stephon, just like Stephon they found exploded. a whole new confidence and I'm like you go Paul Turner let's go and you you weighed against Stefan Smith who was like jumping at everything like moving back and not doing like they're I don't know if they're telling the refs to be different characters themselves or what's or they're just finding their thing but like I've never seen Paul Turner kick away a cheating thing and like yeah, that was really cool. Um I, I, this is just it was really ridiculous and Shivani seeing members of the front office. Uh so we get that that falls in. I think honestly, I'm gonna have to call it. This was my match of the night. Just because of what they gave us for a 20 minute draw, there was no stop, there was no spot, it wasn't a spot fest either. There was an ebb and flow over, and they just went for everything they could get. So overall, it really just in in it's, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. It wanted me to continue to watch. It brought me into it. So that's always good. We went backstage then uh, to have our first promo of the night with Orange Cassidy. And Renee kind of runs down all the stuff he's been doing for the last weeks, months, everything else, defending this title, including flying to Wembley to promote All In, then doing a Rev Pro show where he fought seven other guys to win his title. And then coming back here to take Trent's place because everyone else in Best Friends has been either taken out or is just very injured because the Undisputed Kingdom is going roughshod. Uh, and I, d- I will say this, making Doc Sampson look kind of like he doesn't know what he's doing is kind of tough because like you don't want to make him look like I don't know really how what medical thing is, but still. 
Yeah, that, I think that was the only gripe I had with this whole thing because Renee literally laid everything out. I was like, nope, that tracks Renee. I was like, thank you for keeping everybody updated because it's always appreciative when we're told exactly this is the order of a timeline of events that we've gotten so far. Right. And then I'm staring. I was just like, you know, I see Doc Sampson ever so often. I was like, you are a very big dude. <laughs> he, he's ginormous. And he looks like a bouncer, but and to, th- to put it there with like he's he's cleared and he doesn't understand why he's cleared, but he just knows he is. That was what got me at the end. Like I don't know why, but he is. He, he's that's it was like you should he know why. The you're bare the- minimum requirements yeah. to be cleared. Uh, you're a doctor. Do your job. We move on though from that backstage to another promo uh, after a couple of video packages. FTR uh, just saying that shouldn't have happened. We will take them on anywhere. We will fight BCC. We are going to take them on because we are. Uh, this is our our yard. This is our our landscape. They're not a tag team, and they're interrupted, and the fight continues because it just has to keep happening. We're totally getting this match at Revolution. <laughs> oh yes, it's got to be, and it's going to be like no time limit. Like, I don't know if they're going to go hardcore or something like that, but they're going to add a stipulation to it where it's going to end up being like a tornado Texas, uh, Texas death match. I guess. Cause I'm like, you have to have some sort of stipulation. And with FTR looking at the trilogy they had with the Briscoes, I'm like, what more can they do? <laughs> I was just right. like, well, and then do you have like, if Danielson's going to be in the corner of BCC for that, because he's got his own match later on, do you put Mark Briscoe in the corner of FTR? I mean, I guess so. But then I got to remember, I mean, I guess it could make sense. But then Danielson will be working twice in one night because he has his Continental Championship match against Eddie, which I totally forgot was happening until I look at the card today. Right. Exactly. Both been doing every they've been everywhere else except on AEW television. Exactly. But, you know, that means the belt's being defended, which is great, except for the ROH one isn't. How does Daniel Sankiki lining up to have these banger matches? He's facing Akiyama on Saturday on Collision. I'm like, how do you pull these strings? Like, what well, is happening? It's called, I'm going to be retiring soon, so give me everything you want to get these banger matches out of me now. That's basically what yeah. it is. As as Okada comes over, and he's going to have more with him. But speaking of banger matches, this was the next match was also almost my match of the night. Uh, Orange Cassidy filling in for Trent Beretta to take on Mike Bennett. So now... And this was said, I think, on commentary, and is complete, or it was said, in, uh, it was said in the review by Ollie Davis and Russell Talk. I have to, I have to give him credit for this. Orange Cassidy has done more to put over the ROH tag titles than the ROH tag team champions because he put Mike ben- Bennett over hard in this match. He was being wrecked by him the entire time and fighting his way back and taking out everything else he could. But damn, Cassidy, you did amazing stuff on this one. He's just, you can't go wrong with him. I'm trying to remember if it was a headbutt or a chop, but like within the first couple minutes that Mike Bennett just bam on Orange Cassidy. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was, was, I believe it was a headbutt. It was a full on headbutt. Yeah, it was a headbutt. I was just like, Dee! this was my match of the night because again, Orange Cassidy is the best AEW champion that we have gotten within the last year or two. And that's saying a lot because we've had a... a we had to have a bunch of champions over, you know, hold these titles over the last year or two. Yeah. Nothing has been more like Orange Cassidy making that international championship, the workhorse title, because he defended it against everybody and anything and pretty much every single match stipulation that you can think of in the book at this point. Well, and now he's doing it outside of AEW and other promotions until like he's, he's even expanding the lore more. So this is that- crazy. And that was the original intent of the international championship when we first got it, that it would be defended across 
multiple promotions, you know, both in the States and out of the States too. And we started to kind of get that when we had Pac win it. But then afterwards, it kind of just stayed irrelevant until Orange picked it up. And then Orange has been fighting on AEW television and he's taking it all over the place too. Like Exactly. This it, it, yeah. is so good. Very much so. We did get uh, the the extreme you know schmozzy finish that we were going to get. Roderick Strong comes out to distract the referee. Uh, Mike Bennett goes to Dick Punch City, uh, taking Cassidy down, and we still get a win out of it after the after all on a on a freak beach break basically. Uh, but then as the bell rings, uh, Matt Taven somehow arises from his orange punch stupor that he got on the ramp. Roderick Strong comes down, and they beat the living tar out of Orange Cassidy. No one's there to save him. Commentary saying like everyone's out, everyone's hurt. What's going to happen? And I guess because he's Oklahoma boy and he's wrestling on Rampage, Jake Hager appears to save was, Orange that Cassidy. That was the biggest question mark I had this whole episode so far. I was just like, huh, not the choice I would have went with, but sure. I mean, you're giving a hometown boy a match against Roderick Strong that he's probably going to lose. So you've got to set him up to get some sort of cheer because they have two Oklahoma boys on the roster. And this one's the technical baby face who just came off his, you know, his storyline about where did his hat go? And now Danhausen has it. So who knows what's going to happen with that? I want Hager and Danhausen to be a team and then bring back Hagerhausen. Hager, Hook Hagerhausen. That's a trio right there. Yes. I so think that we, trio would work better than the trio we got tonight, but you know, we'll talk about it. No, we, we will see what happens. The next part though, you told me offline, this is one of your favorite things that's continuing its way through. It's going to end up crap, on rampage. Man. You know, the soap opera part of wrestling's happening because Angelo Parker is out there talking to Renee and she's like pumping him up because he's got his big date with Ruby tonight. He's going to ta- finally take her out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Ruby appears and, they're looking at each other lovingly. They're acting pretty well for wrestlers in that respect. It's a lot of fun. Yes, ma'am. I'm like, oh. this has been the most campy, over-the-top storyline, Dawson's Creek-esque wrestling story on Rampage. And me and Adolfo have been very lucky to have... We've been having a really good time following this and then the breakup of the outcast. Harley Cameron like, wanting to commit manslaughter with a knife. And then hitting Saraya in the boobs with this like wooden spoon. It has been ridiculous. Anna Jay got involved at one point, which was really fantastic. Can I ask something then? Mm-hmm. Why were we given this part then? Because like it's on dynamite. I'm not saying it shouldn't be on dynamite, but we get them about to like consummate what's about to happen, and then although the fallout will be the next, you know, next rampage. And it's interrupted by someone we don't need on our screens because the joke is this limo pulls up and Ruby asks if they're they're going there and he says no we got a lift um obviously so we're we're renting a we're going that car thing and who steps out and they do the like the whole pan shot down to see who's stepping out it's Ric Flair who can obviously cannot walk at all yeah shuffling his way around down there and I'm like why sir why I, why are you here. It's been so nice not to have you for the last month. Yeah, we've kind of discussed it at length why we're not the biggest Nature Boy fans because of everything that he has had done in his career and all the things that continue to come out. It just never stops. So, but it, but it interrupts the the lovely like love storyline that's going on there. I it just, it seemed like a bad setup for a joke that didn't need to be there. No, Ric Flair didn't need to be. 
Like you could have separated this by a couple of seconds and not had this as a continuous shot because for somebody who's been following the Cool Hand and Ruby Soho, Outcast 2.0, like drama getting that has been the last two or three months has been really, really fun to watch. And Ric Flair kind of ruined the moment. <laughs> I was just like, go figure. <laughs> I mean, we, I, as soon as I saw Ric Flair, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm getting into. And the promo he cut with Renee, I was just like, yeah, this is pretty much what I want. Though the only thing I thought was really weird, and I'm not sure how we're going in this direction, is what happens mm -hmm. after Ric Flair leaves Renee. It's true. Yeah, he, he, he ambles up to Renee, gets very close to her in a very weird way, goes over that he's not being used enough in Sting's storyline. He came in here to be a used and be there, and he's hurt. Because, yes, the thing we need in life is Ric Flair inserting himself into more things because everything should have Ric Flair. I will say the promo felt way more rambly than I was thinking. I think he's having some major degenerative issues going on mm -hmm. with his, in his brain. We really need to put him away, stick him in some plastic, and just keep him on a shelf. He does not need to be brought out anymore. Can this be the last time Ric Flair has to be anywhere? Please. As he ambles from Renee, knocks on a door, which we all knew it was about to happen. The young bucks open the dressing room door. I'm sorry, the EVPs. And uh, he asks if they have some time and they let him in. Even oh, the no. bucks were surprised. They're just like, what are you doing here? And I'm just sitting here and I was just like, Ric Flair's going to screw over Sting and Darby, isn't he? No, he's obviously that's why he's there. That's what, I mean, that's you know, it, it's kind of contrived. And I was just like, Ric Flair can never go into anything without screwing somebody over literally no. and figuratively <laughs> himself included. Well, However, we, we get away from Ric Flair. Thankfully, I don't think he comes back the rest of the episode. I'm very happy. he. Did. No, he's done. I was just like, we're good. Bye. Sayonara. We get. While stilted, one of the most heartfelt promos we had in a while with Daniel Garcia in the ring talking about his getting this opportunity to take on Christian for the TNT championship and how much it means to him that people have been supporting him in his lowest, lowest moments. And it seemed genuine enough. I don't know if, if to you it seemed genuine. I'm a big supporter of Daniel Garcia, and I think he's finally getting the shine that he's been missing, you know, post breakup with JAS, because he's had some really incredible stuff happening since then. I mean, the cage match with joining with FTR and going against the whole House of Black thing has been really, really great. I love this weird dynamic that him and Daddy Magic have as like Daddy Magic being the commentary and also like the guardian angel for Daniel Garcia, which has been really, really nice. It was a little bit stilted, but honestly I'm a big fan of Daniel Garcia and I am still in his corner. Given the fact that when we, what we learned when he initially joined JAS is that before all this, he didn't know if he was going to be able to come back and wrestle again when he got in that really bad car accident where he broke everything. Right, exactly. So they were kind of setting him up to like give him that extra part of himself that he could market if he couldn't get in the back in the ring. But he obviously is, and he's here talking about how much it means to him, and then he's ready, and he's talking to Adam Copeland and saying, I would have beaten you in three more seconds. I would have taken you on there, and now I'm getting my shot at what I need. And who comes out to interrupt him but the patriarchy and Christian Cage? And this was an amazing back and forth. Christian Cage is a freaking menace, man. I'm just like, so, okay. 
So I did something I normally don't do when he was cutting a promo. Yep. He, he so when Christian Cage mentioned, you know, I was like, okay, from the little bit I've known, we're probably gonna get a dead dad promo. And I was like, on the nose, that's on my bingo card. But then he's like, you know, here's this address. I typed it in. Christian Cage is a menace because that is the address to the cemetery where <laughs> where his father where Daniel Garcia's father is buried. And I was just like, holy yeah. crap. I was wondering about that, Don. I, I did write because I didn't check this, but I was like, did he just dox his mother? I'm like, I don't think they would do that to her, but still. I typed in the address. It is the address of the cemetery. I was just like, <gasps> but well yo, well Daniel Garcia's line, though, is just like, Christian Cage, why don't you come in here? And then you'll end up being like my father and I'll bury you next to him. And I was just like, yo, that was cold. <laughs> that was cold. And then, of course, as the patriarchy does, he sends little Nick Wayne down to get his ass beat, which he did, um, and put in the dragon tamer. And as you said, out of nowhere, you know, um, you know, we, we had the guardian angel explode out of nowhere and be able to take out kill switch. So that's what we needed to have happen there. Um, I liked that it was they had two chairs, so it wasn't like here's the chair. Now we got to pass it back and forth. It was really well put together. They were still defending each other. And Christian is livid. I, I'm excited for this match at Revolution. I unfortunately think Daniel Garcia is not winning this title, not yet, yeah. anyways. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him winning. I'm excited to have Daniel Garcia finally be on a pay per view match for a title because it seems like Daniel Garcia has been missing from pay per views the last couple of rounds, which is a travesty in my opinion. Oh yeah, no, no, he's proven it. I'm super excited. This is probably some of Christian's best heel work. And just hit this point of his career, I've enjoyed his character. It hasn't gotten stale for me. He's finding ways to continue to be a dirtbag to everybody he goes up <laughs> against. I love this. I This whole oh, segment yeah, no. was really, really great. And I'm super I, excited for this match. I love that we keep saying Christian is being like the best heel work of his career. And we say it every week. It just continues to get better. And that's a whole thing saying, because we've had this for over a year now of this like, dick Christian. Like it's It's crazy. So I'm, I want to see where this goes. I, I hope that they give Daniel Garcia a good showing against Christian at, at best. Like he needs to have that thing. Maybe he actually does end up winning it when Adam Copeland helps him out or Copeland costs him the title because he's selling the concerto right now comes and costs him for it. Cause no, he needs to be Christian. So I don't know what, what, what it is, but there's something coming out of this. that needs to be built that way. Unlike our next promo, which was setting up the main event of the night with the baby face team. Of RVD, Hook, and Hangman Adam Page? I would argue that RVD and Hook are your baby faces. Hangman is so leaning towards into heel territory. I mean, he's still kind of a face, but now he's more heel. This was a weird promo because I was just like, I feel like RVD kind of, RVD was like the reasonable one here. And I was just like, that's saying a lot because usually he smokes it and tokes it. Well, and you saw that and afterwards he, as he and Hook were like hooking up with each other and, you know, night and fist bumping the whole time. Like that was perfect. That was great. I was just like, Hangman Page is such the odd duckling out of this whole entire trio. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Yeah, this was a weird one. I was just like, I need everyone to take a step back. <laughs> like, what is happening? Well, they, they did take a step back. We were told, obviously, Hangman's like, you owe me and we're doing this. He walks off and we go into... Another really fun little bit here. Um, so I'll set this up. 
ostensibly we had two women's matches tonight, which is, oh my God, Dynamite had two women's matches. But they were the same length as one women's match, and they went into each other. So Tony Khan gets a win on a technicality, but still doesn't support the women, even after the giant signing he just got there, which is basically confirming Mercedes Monet is coming in because that writer they brought over from WWE is made from Mercedes. She's going to hopefully revamp the entire women's division. I, I was excited that we had both these things here. I liked what we got, but Tony, you're not giving it enough time. You're not. You're literally doing the bare minimum, and that's not enough. As we have Tony Storm take on local girl Sydney Winnell in a squash match, and this was basically just put over that both of these women are using each other's finishers to end matches, basically at this point. Yes, um, I agree with you. Even though we got two women's matches, this both of them combined was the length of one women's match, which is still not a good thing and still not no. okay. Um, my biggest critique I had in this match, and I know it's going to happen, but I was so afraid for Madison Rain when Deanna looked like to spike her head in that finisher. I was like, Lord have mercy. So what, what Mikey's setting up here is we had Tony Storm to do the squash match. Deanna Perrazzo comes down as the match is ending, starts her match with Madison Rain, uh, which was very scary at that point. She, she did an STO that basically Madison spiked herself, uh, went a little too hard down on it, and uh, was definitely dazed. Yeah, right there. You had Doc Samson actually check in on her. But of course, since he doesn't, he, she was fine. Like Orange Cassidy, she was ready to go. Yeah, that really worried me. I will say there was a beautiful shot when we got the transition between Deanna and Tony's match. They were on the ramp and we had the very beautiful seamless split between black and white and Technicolor. Right down the center. It was really, really good. It was so good. Yes. And then after Deanna wins her match, the whole couple of minutes afterwards, the segment where we got the both women and I'm like, this was great. Tony trying to tap out Deanna. Deanna's not trying to tap out, but she came very close a couple of times. Then they're uh, against the ropes, staring each other down the ring. And then Tony, yep, Tony Star is like, with the lipstick, I was just like, this is the best thing ever. I, I it, it really is setting up quite a bit for both of them. They're really selling the animosity in this. And the fact that both, like, that uh, Deanna was taking on, again, another person from her past was also a big thing at that point. Um, I did like on the beatdown, Tony finally did the one thing I always wondered why they didn't do when someone puts on an ankle lock, which is sit down, lock it in and do the knee bar on it because then it actually hurts. This allows so much room to move, but she pinned her down, which was great. Um, In the Deanna match to start off with, Taz mispronounces her name. Excalibur calls him out on it. And then he says, I just can't pronounce those Italian sounding names. Aren't you Italian, you idiot? Listen here, you misogynistic piece of turd. (laughs) Like... Me I can't Taz? give I can't give Taz I, I mean I've never given any Taz any passes anyways but I'm not go I'm tired of people giving Taz passes so it's like no it is not that hard to pronounce her name it is Diana now if you want to say it the white person way it is Diana Parasso but because I'm Latin I always inflect on certain things so I say Diana Parazzo I was just like don't be disrespectful to Diana. Come on, man. Like because obviously he can't pronounce Italian names being Peter Skinerkia. Hook, I apologize. Like we take a dump on your dad every single week, but he opens himself <laughs> up to it. He's such a Yeah. I was oh my gosh, I can't. But I don't want I don't want to talk about Taz. I want to focus on Tony and Diana. 
So, and well, I, I've got to ask you something about this quickly. Actually, I, I remember mm-hmm. when Tony's in the ring and they had let go of everything else. Did you hear them booing Diana? The entire crowd is booing her and cheering for Tony, and she mm-hmm. doesn't quite know what to do with it because she's trying to still walk that line of being the babyface of these two. This, I mean, Tony's not going to turn. She is what she is. They need to put Diana as a heel. They need to make her heal it up because she's gonna. This isn't gonna work without it. No, and I've said this. I said this to you before, to you and Professor, when Diana first made her debut in AEW after that first promo, which didn't go very, very well. No, and I gave a little bit of background information, and I still stand by what I said. I think Diana works so much better as a heel because then she can lean more into her vir- virtuosa persona which is no nonsense. She's going, she has five different ways to make you tap, cry, submit everything. And she's just going to break a couple arms. If she was, she is what Shayna Baszler wishes. She thinks she was, which is very sad. Cause it's not Shayna's fault. No, Shayna's a badass. It's just that she don't get booked. Well, Deanna is what it looks like when you want to be Shayna Baszler, but you have a somewhat competent person to book you for your style of wrestling. The problem is though, that her character as a heel is very similar to Serena Deeb. And mm-hmm. so then if you're running that part of it, now you have two technical wizards who don't really speak very well sometimes and need to be heels because they can't figure out how to make that into like an anti-hero babyface tweener type of role. I think this was them trying to say, like, you got to figure this out, Deanna, because we can't have two people like that on our roster because they can't figure out their women's division to be able to book them. Although those two in a match technically would be amazing. I just don't oh know what to do with that. Gosh, I want that match at some point, but. And this is what I stated when we first initially got point that it was going to be Tony and Deanna for the title. My biggest worry is because as much as I've been enjoying this build, it still hurts to know that the inevitability of all this is Deanna is going to put up a really fantastic fight. Both yeah. women are going to go out there and do great. But ultimately, Deanna is losing because I honestly think we're setting up Tony for when we get to big business, you know, a couple of weeks later. The same, I would not be shocked if we get the same story where we get a big women signing and Tony's next opponent is Mercedes. Oh, easily. The only thing I can see, see positive coming out of this is that Deanna, then maybe if she loses this, costs Tony the title a big business, which would be fantastic. Because let's be real if I'm not saying that I would hate Tony beating Mercedes, but it's Mercedes, you can't have her lose out the get go. And she w- I love Tony, but she is going to be served up to Mercedes on a platter for yeah. her to get knocked down a couple of pegs. I, I I can't wait for those promos to come across and, and, and Mercedes bringing up stuff about like getting pie by Charlotte Flair and all that. So it'll be very interesting for her to. If she mentions the pie incident, I was like, best view to 2024. Let's go. It is. Although right now we're running into a promo afterwards that kind of sets up a really cool uh, feud that we were worried about to begin with. This was your promo of the night, right, Mikey, with having Sting and Darby Allin really getting personal about this. I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I'm going to be vulnerable for a little bit. As soon as this promo ended, I had to pause my television, and I had to sit with what I just heard for a couple of minutes. And nothing was scathing. Nobody was yelling. It was very subdued in the delivery from both Darby and Sting. But man, I had to sit and reflect with this one. I was just like, the pain in Sting's voice is still there. You can tell he's still grieving, you know, the passing of his father. Yeah. But, and coming to the realization that 
he kind of lets the real person come out a little bit because he makes the realization that, you know, he's not immortal. And, you know, the more. I love when promos have a bit of philosophical value in them because yeah. I like to think about these things. I mean, we dissect professional wrestling on a scale that you can make a thesis statement for any college. Like it's true. That's how, that's how deep we go with this, but, but also the he way goes that, deep because he's, he's such a veteran that he's got so much life experience. He knows where to pull from and do that as well. So that, that ring acumen is also huge. And for me personally, because, and I'm going to say this and get a little bit of backlash I haven't ha- I don't have such an affinity towards Sting because I didn't grow up with Sting in the mm-hmm. heyday of his career. I came way later. In fact, I wasn't even a thought <laughs> when Sting was at his quote unquote peak during his younger years. But this I but I've always respected the hell out of Sting. But after this promo and sitting there and reflecting it, I might actually shed a couple of tears when that match is over and knowing that Sting is going to be retiring because, again, there's such a philosophicalness to his delivery and the fact that he realized at the end of the day, no matter what iteration of Sting he channels, at the end of the day, he takes off the makeup and he is a mortal being like the rest of us. He's, and yeah, he's Steve he even Morton. stated his time is finite, but because his time is finite, he realizes that he has to make every opportunity matter and come revolution, the Bucks are in for a fight. And I cannot wait for Sting to dig deep and for Darby to go balls to the wall, both of them to go up against them. I want this match to be nuts. I want this to be crazy. And obviously, I still want Sting to be safe during this match. But I want Sting to give me everything he has left in that tank because this is the final battle for him. I think and I want him to go. I want him to go out swinging. Yeah, he's, he's guaranteed that with what he said there. I will say that in the back of my mind, when he mentioned his father passed, I'm like, oh, no, is there a wild Christian Cage around? Are we going to have another thing pop up there? But, you know, luckily didn't happen. That's always good to have and not do that because we moved on to the other Oklahoma boy on the card here who decided to open his mouth and go back straight to 1980 and just get all of it out. Like this was therapy for Wardlow. Wardlow comes out and buries the roster. But low key, I was kind of here for it. We've been saying the same thing since who knows how long for the last year and a half, two years that we've witnessed, you know, this trajectory of Wardlow. And we talked about this on multiple occasions. And I feel vindicated and validated the fact that pretty much Wardlow reiterated all the biggest issues that we have ourselves have said about Wardlow's booking specifically for me because I was a big Wardlow fan. And then when he went off of television due to injury the first time around, and then since coming back, he has not been utilized properly. And Wardlow was me in this moment because he spoke to all the criticisms that I had leading up to this point too, in terms of Wardlow's booking, they strapped yeah. the rocket to him, but they strapped it in reverse. He and got, he has he gone buried himself, straight yeah. into, yeah, he went straight down into the ground and I love the fact that he called everything out too. This is like, yep, the multiverse of MJF madness was a thing that we the all punk, survived. The punk and it was one re- was the thing we survived with that too. Samoa Joe. I forgot that he tapped out Samoa Joe. I had honestly Same. I was just like, oh crud, I forgot you. D-. And I and he even I love the point in the, his promo. He's just like, I should be the champion. I should be a bigger star than I am now. And I'm like, well, you're kind of not wrong. And this is a perfect example of. Some of the best promos that we end up gravitating towards always have a hint to truth of them. And boy, howdy, did Wardlow 
have check all the boxes and he showed all the receipts as the kids say because he's like i should be a megastar but the powers of that be did not let me do it because they wanted to push other people they failed him is what he said he basically said they failed him um i gotta ask though did this not sound like a psycho sid or a sid justice promo from the 90s like absolutely absolutely dude I was like, oh, great. Here we go. There's going to be a flub. Oh, you know, I'll, t- I'll do that again. No, we're live, Wardlow. We're live. So, You know what? I have to give Wardlow credit. Normally, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the way that he delivers his promos from time to time. But I like this passionate, and it was very articulate, too. Surprisingly so. But he, he you know, got his point across. Tony Schiavone was kicked out of the ring. He made his point. We'll see if AEW does anything with that whatsoever. Uh, Apparently, I he's going to be participating in a big meat match at Revolution. I don't know what that is. And I'm meat terrified. madness. Meat madness. We know like, at least two of the participants in that right now because we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, because we first go backstage to check in with the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. And there's dissension brewing. And Jay White's stirring the pot, as he should. But next week, or as it's on Rampage, I believe, we're getting Colton. Billy and Jay White gun <laughs> defending some titles as the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. And I'm kind of waiting to see how they're going to work this into the mole within or just like how they're going to split the teams apart and what's going to happen. I think we can both agree that the formation of the Bang Bang Scissor Gang is the long con to figure out, okay, eventually we're going to get a trios match between these two teams, which yeah. I'm here for, to be perfectly honest. Needs to happen, yeah. I mean, as long, look, I'm not going to complain as long as we get either one of those two trios, like the six man or the trios titles defended on television because they've been thrown to the wayside. And it makes me very sad because the acclaimed is so over with the fans and we're not utilizing them right now. Bullet Club Gold is a gem on collision and there's this ring of honor six man tags and we haven't seen them defend those things in a hot minute. And we don't know what we're doing with these individuals, but I am here for the Bang Bang Scissor Gang and the eventual Jay Weiss. Like, look, we know what this is. Let's just fight it out. It'll happen. And it will happen in spectacular fashion. I think probably Revolution. There'll be something set up there for us so we can actually Zero see something hour. happen. <laughs> probably. Uh, but then we got the uh, the update that, yes, Meat Madness is happening. Wardlow's going to be in this Meat Madness match. Tony Khan has announced what it is. We transition directly from that announcement on commentary to Don Callis backstage. Basically trying to resell again. Yes, Osprey and Takeshita are going to fight each other. Yes, they're on the same team, and they're not going to have animosity afterwards. And he puts them over there, and he whacks Hobbs in the chest, and Hobbs starts flexing. It's like, oh, yeah, and this man's in the Meat Madness match. I'm like, oh, we are just literally going to put every monster who doesn't have anything to do into a match. I'm assuming Miro's going to be in this damn thing. I'm assuming we're going to probably put Satnam Singh in this darn thing. There's going to be a lot of big, beefy guys in the ring taking on each other. Honestly, I would have just been happy with Lord Wardlow and powerhouse hops. Like give me yeah. a triple threat with those two and Miro. And then I will be satisfied. Well, we're going to try to get as satisfied as we can. Cause we're going to eat up as Wardlow is starving. We're going to have to get eat up the big meaty man meat happening soon. What a name to call this thing too. meat madness. Well, it's a March. It's it's, you know, March madness makes sense, but I guess, Speaking of madness, we had our three-on-three match, our main event come up next. The babyface team of RVD, Hook, and Hangman Adam Page taking on 
Yeah, I know. Samoa Joe, Swerve, and Brian Cage. This pairing, this grouping, I was confused. I don't know about you. Okay, so let's break this down, right? So I understand Swerve and Cage because Mogul Embassy, they're a faction. I totally get that. I'm here on board with it. Right. I kind of understand why Joe was on there, but also not really, too. I was like, fine. For, but well, then so I the moment on, that we got at the end where all of them yeah. looked at each other, that was the reason. That was the reason. I was like, okay. That team made a lot of sense in my head at, by the end of this. Right. I'm still trying to figure out why we gave Hangman, you know, RVD and Hook and all of this. I was just like, Hook and RVD haven't had any past interaction with Hangman Page over the last couple of weeks. If well, anything, yes, yes, they have. RVD was the person that Hangman chose to take on Swerve. Remember, in the in the hardcore match, that was the dealer's choice. Oh, that's fair, I guess. And then he also came out to save Hook when Joe was beating him up after his match. So he's had an re- interaction with both of them, just not to the point where we think this is like a, a team that would be put together, basically. I guess. I mean. There is some logic to it, just not a lot. You know, I can throw logic out the window, and that's not necessarily what bothered me about this match. Mm-hmm. I feel this match was very clunky. Yes. And it, I felt like it, on, it went on way too long, too. I thought we could have cut it like a couple minutes and we'd been fine. And now, obviously, we got confirmation now because I was worried because I thought Hangman broke an ankle at oh, some or, point. Or she separated match. his shoulder or something, yeah. I'm like, geez, Louise. I was like, we're literally a week away from Revolution, so we cannot get people hurt right now. Oh, but we can. We can. But this match was very, very clunky. I didn't hate the people that were in this match, but I was just like, nothing really clicked for me. And, you know, I give RVD a little bit of grace because he is older, so he's got to move at a little bit slower pace. But I was disappointed with the people we regularly see on television. Like, I was disappointed with Hangman. I was disappointed with Hook. I was even kind of disappointed with Swerve, and that's saying a lot because I love Swerve. Brian Cage was the best part for me in this whole entire match. He and RVD had a great back and forth a couple times. It was a lot of fun to see. Uh, Nana was also hysterical at the outside, like, you know, just just yelling stuff all over the place. But I feel like, you know, the the big thing everyone's going to come away from this from is that the muscle bustle reverse muscle bustle reversal where hangman page comes out and then automatically grabs his arm and you think and we it was said like a separated shoulder something was wrong and you could see he was actual pain they were trying to cut away from him i think that that ending sequence with rvd was probably supposed to last longer but they had to cut it like stretch it about out and just like have him do it earlier and that kind of threw stuff off as well because the ending was a bit of a clunky mess for everything on there <sighs> I mean, this was serviceable at best. I didn't think was it, it was inherently bad. Uh, nah. I don't know if it was serviceable. Nah. It was a spot fest. There were some fun moments, but serviceable, nah. like it just, it didn't, it, it was a spectacle for the end of the night, but it didn't seem like it needed to be there. Now, this actually, in hindsight, I feel like this match didn't need to be there at all. I know you wanted to try to continue to build towards the triple threat. But you we could have gotten like another stare down promo thing. Yeah, you didn't need anything else. It, it's got the heat it needs. There's so many other things they could have done to set up other matches for Revolution. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a it downer. It was what it was. 
kind of, and especially having Swerve in it, being a downer is very sad. Mikey, we got through this entire night. We watched the whole thing, and it was really kind of about four or five matches, not that much to do. It was a very light card. I want to know, what's your empanada scale on this one? What are you rating this? Because it wasn't terrible. Was it good? I'm going to give this like a solid... Yeah, I'll give it like a solid like 6.97. Ooh. Like, <laughs> just like again, slightly below seven. Slightly below seven. I think, again, nothing was inherently wrong. Even though I didn't like the main event, there could have been a lot of things worse with it than what yeah. we nitpicked at it. But I feel that every time... AEW listens to the fans to try to fix what the biggest complaints have been. We always end up creating new problems. So while we are, yeah, while we're getting story builds for these pay-per-view matches, everything else is kind of being thrown to the wayside. Like booking has been really weird. I don't know what's going on with the talent situation. The visa situation, all this like out of uh, country talent that can't be there, like Kyle Fletcher, apparently, like not able to be there to defend his title. There's so much going on. Like, did did people forget to like renew visas? Like, is is there changeover in the front office we don't know about? And then there's that. And then you have beef with companies because Penta and Phoenix couldn't be there when the CML people were there because, you know, they are AAA and AAA has bad blood with CMLL, which is crazy still to this day and age. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. It's really weird. Also, as a side note, me and Adolfo are trying to figure out how we're going to watch the CMLL versus Blackpool Combat Club match that's happening in the spring. I have no idea that that might be a find on a weird YouTube channel two days later, but who knows? That's very fair. We may or may not have to purchase the subscription to CMLL's YouTube channel, which I've been willing to show for, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I feel like this was like a 6.9 to 7 dynamite. Nothing was inherently bad, but nothing blew me out of the water either, which is really weird. I'm happy we're building towards story, but now the weekly product is suffering because it feels very paint by numbers. It's and you can be- totally tell they're hurting because a lot of the roster is missing. They got to figure their stuff out in this one. I'm with you on this one. I'm saying about a seven, seven point two. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it, it's better than it has been. I enjoyed it, but uh, you know, we talked about like the, the women's segment that still is what it was, and the things we've nitpicked. It just wasn't good enough to get up to where Ring of Honor's been the last couple of weeks. Like it's just not good enough. So. Watch it at your own setup there. If you want to see your your favorite wrestlers on there, go get some storylines. It'll help you out. But let's hope that the go-home show for Revolution, because they've been building so much to all of these matches, gets us something else, including setting up more people in this Meat Madness match, because we got to have it happen. Mikey, thank you so much for joining me this evening and going over AEW as tired, as sick as everything else we are. Thank you for joining us as well. We always enjoy sharing this with you because we get to say what we think is happening. We give you our opinion, but we always like to have that discussion because this is definitely something we enjoy and we know you do too. But remember, as always, for Mikey, for myself, for the absent professor who is making the monies, you're Biconic. We are all together Biconic. And we'll see you in the next video. Sayonara. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Vibe Tribe production. What's going to happen next time? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. But until then, remember, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, make sure that you keep the good times rolling. 
Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time.